Well, hello there. This is Trevor Montgomery. We just thought we'd take a moment and wish all our fans a happy 4th of July. We love you. We appreciate you. Welcome to Call of Cthulhu Mythos Mysteries, where four investigators will be thrown into the mystery and madness of Arkham, Massachusetts, in the year 1921. I am your Mythos Master, Ariel, and today's interesting fact is, last meal on Earth, what would it be? And mine is curry. Ooh, my curry? Yep. Ooh, I love katsu curry. Uh, Hi, I'm Aaron. I play Trevor Montgomery, and my last meal mm, would probably be steak and twice baked potatoes. It's better be a damn good steak too, like a big ass ribeye. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my name is Mark. I play. Nobody at the moment, because my last character kind of got sliced. Boo! My bad. <laughs> but my last meal would have to be something Italian. Have to be. I don't care what it is. Just give me a giant plate of Italian food and... Pesto pasta. Mm-hmm. That's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm Daniel. I'm playing Fred Lyons, the parapsychologist. And I would say my last meal would have to be a breakfast of some sort, like sausage patty, eggs, both scrambled and fried, probably some bacon, toast. Why is your last meal so boring? It's not boring, it's breakfast. Yeah. All right, let's get started. Where we last left off, you had received a book, a very old book, with a lot of translations. You fought a werewolf. And unfortunately, Marcellus didn't make it out. You went to the hospital to drop him and Millie off, where Trevor walked home and drank himself into a stupor. Where we're going to pick up a couple days after the incident, Trevor and Fred went to Boston to attend Marcellus's funeral. They were the only two in attendance, unfortunately. That's so fucking sad. But he did get buried next to his wife. Trevor was alerted from the AOK machine shop that they had picked his cars up from Salem and all of his things were in there. Millie contacted you, Trevor, after... She got out of the hospital, told you that she would no longer be able to work for you anymore. She got a job in Boston as a reporter. It is. It has been a couple weeks now. The date is the 4th of July. And I will leave it to you, Trevor. Trevor is going to go to the AOK machine shop and pick up the car that Marcellus was in. Okay. 
and I'm going to look in the back seat, and I'm assuming I find the cello case. You would. So I'm going to grab the cello case and put it in the passenger seat with me, and I'm going to drive home. I'm going to walk in with the cello case to the music room. I'm going to put the cello case on the piano, open it up, just kind of run my hands down the cello. And then I'm going to slam my hands on the key and begin weeping. Okay. So you do that and let you get your weep in. Yep. And you start drying your eyes and composing yourself. You get a knock on the door. I'm going to straighten up my suit and I'm going to go answer it. Okay. You go to the door and answer it. And you see Sarah and Mary Darcy standing there. Well, hello, girls. Can I help you with? Hi, Mr. Montgomery. We came to see if you would watch the fireworks with us. Well, uh, I reckon I could do that, yeah. Oh, good. We were worried about you. We haven't seen you in a couple weeks. I'm just handling business. That's all, girls. So you will meet us at the park? Yeah, your mother and father going to be there? Yes. Do they know you're here right now? They kind of give you a sheepish little look. Run home. I will tell your parents where you've been. They probably would say right now. I will see you tonight at the fireworks. Okay. And they giggle and turn around and leave. So I'm going to shut the door and shake my head. Go to the phone in the parlor because I broke the one right there next to the front door. <laughs> and uh, I will call their parents and let them know that they are on their way home. And they came to ask me if I go to the fireworks with them. Okay. You get on the phone and... Eileen answers the phone. Okay. And she tells you, okay, that's fine. All right. I just wanted you to know where the girls were. Those two can be a handful. Oh, yes, they can. I appreciate it. Thank you. Not a problem. I'll hang up the phone. Okay. All right. Let's go to James. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You have just entered Arkham. Yes, he'd be stepping off the train. Okay. Uh, probably. <clears throat> he would be wearing a very fine suit. Nothing super fancy to him, but to everybody else, it looks immaculate. He walks with a cane. He's got a briefcase held in his hand on one side. And he's got a small army of attendants behind him carrying luggage, tons of luggage, like steamer trunks and a bunch of more, like more and more suitcases. And he's like, come, let's go to the nearest hotel, shall we? Okay. And he's going to, like, flag somebody down, like, Say, boy, where is the finest hotel in this uh, city? They kind of look at you, 
little weird, but they say it's to the right, down two blocks, the Arkham Motel. You can't miss it. Thank you, lads. And he'll, like, flip a quarter to them. They catch the quarter and just kind of <laughs> stare at it and look at you and kind of tilt their hat down and walk away. Well, you heard the lads. To the hotel. Tally-ho! And he'll walk to the hotel. Okay. Admiring the buildings, the traffic, the people. Okay, there are quite a lot of people in the streets that you notice. You happen to hear some music playing. This sounds few blocks away. You can't really see where it's coming from, but you can hear it. You can hear people laughing and giggling, and you can smell different types of almost fair food in the air. Sounds like there's a party going on. You get to the motel. And there is a middle-aged gentleman sitting behind desk. Good day, sir. I require the finest room in this hotel. All the rooms are the same. Oh, my. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there anything to accommodate my traveling needs? And he, like, looks back to the, you know, army of people behind him. He kind of looks at you, like, bewildered, almost. Are there any villas or bigger houses for rent in the area? Uh, perhaps? <laughs> he almost he almost looks shocked. He can't really answer you right away. And then he kind of shakes his head and... No. Oh my... Well, um, how many rooms do you have available? I've got four right now. Oh, no. That won't do. Are there any more hotels in town? Yeah, there's one more, but it's clear across town. Ah, could you be a good lad and call me a cab, please? Might want to call two or three, actually. He still has that same look on his face. And he just... You can call your own cab. The phone's right there. Oh, I say. That's rude. Fine. He'll... (laughs) uh, Tell the operator he needs to call for a cab. Okay. You managed to get a hold of... Somebody? Yep. (laughs) And then... They say they'll be there shortly. I require about four cabs, actually. Could you send four cars over, please? We don't have four available right now. I'll send as many as you have, and we'll do with make do with what we have. Thank you. And, like, hang up the phone before they say anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you wait about 10, 15 minutes, and... You get three. Ah, this will be plenty, I'm sure. The rest of you are going to have to squeeze in the third cab. Put the luggage in the trunk, boys, and we'll get headed over to the other hotel. And uh, I'll hop in the back seat of the leading cab and say, To the other hotel, please. Okay. 
you manage to get to the other hotel. You get up to the front desk and another middle-aged gentleman is sitting there. This one, you notice this one is a lot bigger than the last one. Seems a little bit fancier. Not very fancy, but this looks a little better than the last one. Uh, excuse me, lad. Um, I require your biggest room. Probably several, actually. If they're available. Several is in how many? Well, how how many will your biggest uh, room suite, uh, how many will it fit? Oh, maybe about five or so. Ah, then I shall require... The suite and one additional room with it. This is okay. And, uh, is there someone to, uh, help my, uh, crew? He says right away. He says, be $9 a night for the one room. Be $20 a night for the suite. Ah, right. So... Right. Well, here is $203. We'll take both of them for a week. His eyes kind of light up a little bit. All right. Yes, sir. He goes, after you pay him, he goes and retrieves two keys for you. And he gets on his phone, calls somebody, asks them, to come up and assist you. Then you see about four men come out in uniforms. They come and offer you help. Thank you, lads. Lead the way. They take you. They take you to the elevator. And you go up to the third floor. They take you all the way down the hallway. They say, This is here is your suite. And we did manage to get the room right next to it. Ah, oh, thank you. Here is a five dollars a piece. Uh, please have a good evening. Oh, and um, what is what is the the event for the evening? I know it is your uh, your Independence Day for you Yanks. Um, what is happening downtown? I heard music and festivities. It is the Fourth of July celebration. Right. They have it in the square. And later on in the evening, they will move to the park and have fireworks. Sounds like a smashing good time. I shall retire until then. Um, Have a good evening. They nod to you and take off. And he'll go into his room and uh, basically unpack his stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All of his stuff. All right, Fred. Yes. Yes. What are you doing? I'm looking at my suspect wall. Since remember, everything that we've done, I keep making on the map, adding stuff. So the outside of Salem, I have like little notes there, but it just kind of points in the direction of Salem because it's only a map of Arkham. (laughs) (laughs) I'll look like I'm crazy if somebody comes to my house. Okay, well, let's fast forward a little bit. The sun is setting. I'm assuming all of you are going to the fireworks. Yes. 
As long as there's no moon, yes. <laughs> no. Of course. <laughs> okay. You guys r- arrive at the park. Trevor, you're holding hands with the girls. You roll me a spot. Oh, here we go. I failed. 8266. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fred, roll me a spot. Let's see. 56 out of 65. Okay. You see Trevor with the twins. Oh, yeah, I'm going to keep distance. <laughs> of you course, you my feelings on children. <laughs> <laughs> Especially ones that talk in unison. Yes. <laughs> All right, James, roll me a spot. Smashing! It's not exactly his strong suit. Yep, that's a 41 over 25. Okay. As you're going to the fireworks, you just happen to see a man in very nice suit holding these two twin girls' hands and they look identical. Almost terrifyingly so. Hmm. And you happen to see another man I have no idea how you're dressed. You want me to describe it for you? Yeah. He has a brown suit, tie, he's short black hair, glasses, and he's clean shaven. Just randomly notice those two. You guys sit there. Eventually, the fireworks do start. It's very beautiful. You guys watch the fireworks. It's very pretty. The girls go ooh and ah with every burst of color. I need all three of you to make me an extreme spot hidden roll. Extreme? No. Uh, what exactly is extreme of 25? Five. So it's basically a fifth. Mm-hmm. Oh. I made it exactly. Ho, ho, ho. So I was saying, what is an extreme of 25? Yep. Five. No, I'm way over. Okay. So, as you all are watching this, James... In between two of the firework bursts, you happen to see something up in the air. You see a large winged creature with long tail and four limbs with large horns attached for its head. What in heaven's name is that? You don't get much details other than that. It's more of a silhouette. And when another firework bursts, it's gone. Hmm. My old eyes must be playing tricks on me. <clears throat> right. He'll just ignore it. Okay. So, after a while, the fireworks stop. Everyone's laughing and having a good time. A lot of people are leaving, going home for the night. Are any of you three going to do anything? Are you just going to go home? I am going to send the girls off with their parents. And then I'm probably going to hit the speakeasy. 
Okay. I'm going to approach somebody. Okay. And ask them some questions. Oh, well, a question rather. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I know you Yanks have outlawed alcohol in this country. Heavens knows why. Uh, but is there any way a chap could perhaps uh, find some somewhere? They kind of look at you, kind of look around. They just get their finger, move it, like come closer. Yes. There's a place called Myrtles. Myrtles? Yeah, let me write the address down for you. Right. Thank you. And they kind of get into their little suit jacket pocket, pull out a little memo pad, scribble down an address, and hand it to you. Much obliged. They nod um, at you and they keep looking and... He'll uh, pull out a five and hand it to him. Oh, they grin real big and nod at you and take off. Thank you. And he'll, uh, with his cane in hand, he'll stroll to the address, enjoying the view and uh, enjoying his time on holiday. Okay. Good. Fred's going to head home. He's had enough with children and fireworks <laughs> tonight. Because <laughs> there was probably other children at the fireworks. Oh, there thing. was a so, ton of children. You know, he's <laughs> avoiding children as he can. Is your fear children? No. He just doesn't care for kids much. Mm. <laughs> much? You mean at all? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> My... It looks like it's time for another commercial break. (laughs) Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie, this is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. What are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Altaris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Eh, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well... Looks like it's time for us to get back to our investigators. <laughs> okay, so Trevor, you get to Myrtle's first. And it's got quite a few people there, all laughing, having a good time. So, one of my boys is at the door, I'm assuming. Yes. It's been a quiet night. They nod at you. Surprising beans is full of July. A lot of people went to the fireworks. I'm sure they'll all come in after a few. <clears throat> you eating tonight? Yes, sir, I have. Mm. Right, well, uh, I'm going to go patron the bar. And you, uh, you have a good 4th of July. I'm going to pat him on the shoulder and walk on in. He just kind of looks at you confused. And sits back down in his chair. Mm. Going up to the bar. Okay. There you go up to the bar. I assume you're ordering a drink. Mm-hmm. James, you approach the door. 
you open it and you walk in. You walk down a hallway. And there is a turn to the right. And I'm assuming you go. Yeah. And you approach another door. And there is a man sitting there in a chair. Good day, sir. Who are you? James. James Clarkson's the name. I'm uh, in town for a week, and I was told this place is a place um, a gentleman such as myself can enjoy his evening. If it helps at all, he'll, like, pull out a ten and be like, uh, this should help uh, things along, grease the wheels, as they say. He kind of thinks about it. Uh, can I try a, um, a charm on him? Like, using my charm. Charm my way through this. Go ahead. I got persuade if you'd rather that one or... You could do either or. Both would make sense. Mm, charm. That's 75 under 80. Okay. He kind of looks at the money and looks at you. As long as you don't start any trouble. I don't see a problem with it. I wouldn't dream of it, sir. So he opens the door for you. He'll walk on in and hand him the tin as he uh, strolls on by. Okay, he takes it and sticks it in his pocket. It's kind of a bustling place. There's quite a few people here. Some are dancing on the floor. Music is playing. There's some sitting up at the bar. Some sitting at tables. You happen to see the man that you saw at the fireworks sitting up at the bar. What would you like to do? He'll go uh, sit down beside him. You see a man sitting next to you, Trevor. Just gonna keep sipping my drink. Uh, This man has gray hair, hazel eyes, stands about six feet tall. Um, He's a bit thin, weighs about, you'd say maybe close to 200 pounds. He's got sweat back hair and a large mustache. He sits down and says, I'd like your finest scotch, please. The bartender looks at you, nods, and he turns his back and grabs a glass, pours you some scotch, and turns around. Thank you. He says that'll be 50 cents. Oh, right. He'll put a dollar down on the table and, like, slide it to him and say, uh, there's for two. I'll have another one after this one's done. He nods at you and takes the dollar. That, uh, were those your twin girls I uh, seen at the, the fireworks? I'm gonna set my glass down and I'm gonna tap it, letting the bartender know to fill it back up. He takes your glass and <clears throat> turns around. Uh, I don't believe we met. My name is Trevor Montgomery. Nice to meet you. Pleasure is all mine. Uh, James Clarkson is the name. Got a uh, got an accent to you. Yes, I'm from London, Kensington, to be exact. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, it brings you to uh, sleepy little Arkham. 
Well, I was on my way um, by boat to see a friend that lived here in town, and I got a telegraph saying that he had passed, and um, I went to Boston to see his grave, and I uh, decided to come here to see where he lived the last few weeks of his life, to get to know him more. I hadn't seen him in, well, since before the war, actually. We, uh, we played together at the London Symphony Orchestra. I played the organ and he played a cello. I believe his wife played a violin. But I don't know what happened to her. He never said. He kind of just disappeared after the war. And I uh, only reconnected. An old squad mate of his contacted me. And uh, I just wanted to see him. Decided to come and I had gotten word that he had passed. And it was disturbing. And so I'm... Deciding to tour America. Well, fate does deal us some odd hands. Uh, sounds to me like that gentleman you're describing was a. Uh, I like to consider him a good friend of mine as well. Marcellus? Marcellus? Um. Uh, no, his name was. Uh, his name was Miles, I believe. Ah, so you knew Miles. Yes, I knew Miles. Well, Mr. Miles hadn't been called that in many years. Um, yes, his squad mate told me he fell off the deep end after his, uh, something happened. He never really told me what, but he said that he'd gotten into some trouble and had to run. I was hoping to help him bring him back to England and... Hopefully that uh, him and his wife could play in the London the Symphony Orchestra again. Um, but I've seen that uh, him and his wife both perished. Sad, really. They were very talented musicians. He was. Um, you uh, didn't quite make it to his funeral, I see. No, the boat had been delayed out at sea. We ran into a bit of a storm. It slowed us down a few days. Uh, I was hoping to make it, but uh, the storm pushed us back a couple of days, so we got delayed. Well, uh, can I choke back a few tears? You knew him well. Uh, well enough. Ah. Mr. Miles stayed with me for quite some time. Hmm. He, uh, he's a very good friend. What did he, uh, he, what, what was his occupation here in, uh, in America? Well, he worked for me. Oh. He'd help me out here and there with odds and end jobs. <clears throat> Nothing too dangerous, nothing too... Yeah. What's, um... Pray tell was the nature of his passing. Exactly. There wasn't many details. Said a wild animal, but... I knew him. He... I knew him. He... Was too good of a shot to be brought down by a wolf. I assure you. Well... I will tell you one thing. 
that wolf uh, that wolf went down with a fight and so did he and they both fell can I roll an occult check to see if I can kind of like know like kind of prod to see if it was an actual werewolf because he like he does have he is into the occult he's actually part of a cult <laughs> actually he's Great. a member of the uh, hermetic order of the golden dawn <laughs> to be exact so I would allow a roll okay come on don't fail me now yeah, twenty-two hundred forty-five. Okay, so how would I explain this? It would make sense to you that it would have been a werewolf as opposed to a wolf, because, like I said, he knows him. Like he knew him well in life, and knew that he was already like a really good shot before the war, and the war had only made him a way better shot. So that's why he's like, there's no way a wolf could have killed my friend. No way. Well, what I could offer you is the knowledge that you would know a normal gun would not affect a werewolf. Yeah. <clears throat> this wolf, a bit larger than a normal wolf, say. Bullet didn't uh, have an impact like it should have going to kind of raise my eyebrow finish off my drink and I'm going to send a signal to the bartender with taps to let him know to have the guys at the door stand by okay so the bartender gives you a slight little nod and he goes off towards the end of the bar so I'm going to turn my full body to my proprietor on the left you're awful nosy. You're awful lot of questions. You sure you knew Mr. Miles as well as you say you did? Well, like I said, I I knew him quite well when we played together at the London Symphony Orchestra. He was smashing on the cello, and his wife was very talented at violin. The war only separated them because he sent her back to America to basically be protected because you know Germany was at our doorstep and threatening to invade Uh, I got sent off to some random bunker somewhere to decode incoming codes to try to help the war effort and he got shipped off to the front lines he went willingly really but my boy is more on heaven and earth Horatio than what you have dreamt of I believe I'm using that right but I know a little bit about things and like I said I know he's a cracking good I know he was a cracking good shot and I know for a fact an animal would not have brought him down unless it were a bit bigger I'd like to make a psychology roll okay to see if he's lying no, to pry into some of the information he's given about this London Symphony Orchestra. Okay. Any sort of, basically anything he's just said, any sort of hints to possible deceptive, you know. So see if he's lying. Kind of. 
more so to see if he's stretching truths. Um, well, that is a 20%. That is a pass on psychology. He's not lying. Not stretching anything either? Nope. Well, it's getting awful late. Do you, Paul Chance, have a place to stay for the evening? Yes, I booked this suite at the finest hotel in town. Well, why don't you go ahead and come back with me? We can just discuss uh, miles further in depth at my uh, estate. But I, um, I wouldn't want to put you out. I could call on you tomorrow, perhaps. Nope, I insist. Right. Um, I guess I could uh, go tonight. Um, perhaps stop by my hotel to pick up a few things, but uh, maybe if I need them. No. Can't think of anything. Yes, you lead the way, chap. So I'm going to walk out and I'm going to have the Derringer in my pocket. I'm just going to have my hands in my pocket with the Derringer. Because I don't trust this guy. He's kind of... It's not that he's shady, it's just that it's out of the blue. It's a little too coincidental. Okay. Um, And I'm going to nod to the bouncer on my way out. Okay. And uh, I'm going to tap his foot, give him the signal to uh, watch the house. He nods at you. And I'm going to get in my car, and I'm assuming you'll do the same? Yes. And we'll drive to my estate. He gets in the backseat. Motherfucker. <laughs> Someone of my caliber doesn't sit in the front seat. Good heavens. You get to your um, mansion. Mm -hmm. No problem. So I'm going to get out of the car and walk on in. And I'm going to give the slight head nod towards our friend's direction towards the uh, two guys out front. (sighs) This is a lovely home you have. It is... Almost the size of my summer home in Calais. (laughs) Well, I appreciate the backhanded compliment. I'm in no offense, sir. Just saying that it's it's beautiful. (sighs) It's almost like having him back. It's going to open the door and head on in. (laughs) I'll follow. Okay. So I'm going to go straight to the liquor cabinet. Pour some scotch. <laughs> okay. In like, what room? In what room? The uh, entryway. Okay. So, yeah. Right there in the foyer. And I will uh, hand you a glass. Oh, thank you, chap. Now I have a few questions of my own. And then I'll pull the Derringer out. Oh, my. Now, we can... We can talk like civilized gentlemen, but I need to ask you a few questions first. I've been nothing but civil with you, sir. I see no call for a gun. Yes, but there are two things wrong with this situation. Number one, Miles, as you refer to him, has just recently passed. It is quite the coincidence that you would be in town shortly after his passing and that you would run into me. Number two, it's even more strange that you would be involved in the occult. Shortly after my involvement in the occult. No. So, my question to you is, now have you been sent by someone? 
And if so, who? I've been sent by nobody, sir. I've told nothing but the truth. So I'm going to do a perception. Or, sorry, a psychology on this. Okay. It's a pass. 29. I've told you nothing but the truth. I I was coming to America to see him. And because an old squad mate of his, I can't remember the name offhand, I'd have to get the telegraph, but told me that uh, he had recently ran into Miles and that he, Miles, was in a hurry to get to Arkham, Massachusetts. Um, and I decided to hop on the first boat over to see him and just... Uh, I don't know. Um, Listen, I don't need your long-winded explanation. Right. I'm gonna decock the Derringer and stick it back in my pocket. And as far as the occult goes, boy, um, I am—I'm a gentleman. I read all sorts of books. It's all I do. I don't really have a job—a nine-to-five job. My family just makes money from money. That's what we do. We invest and buy, sell, do all kinds of things to make money. And at this level, we have really nothing to do except travel the world and read books all day. Well, your, shall I say, our friend seems to have met his demise at the hand of a werewolf. Mm. Now I cannot seem to offer you money No, I would not ask for that In fact, I would offer you some To maybe add on Or perhaps build a whole new mansion I have a better idea Your money is of no use to me But I appreciate the offer What is of interest to me Is your knowledge in the occult I could help as much as I can I'm in town for a week I could extend it a bit if I need be. Well, you may have to extend that uh, visit for quite some time. You see, we have seemed to have gotten ourselves involved into something... Something much deeper and darker than ourselves. Ooh. But, uh, for now, how about we drink and commence the merriment like gentlemen we are, and We'll discuss this further in the morning when I assemble the crew that is involved in this matter. Two things you should know about me, as we are being honest with one another. I am what you call the mob boss here in Arkham. How quaint. Second thing you should know about me is I intend to protect and care for the people of Arkham. If anyone gets in that way, they will be shot and killed. Oh, I have no quarry, I mean, against that rule. I certainly don't see myself shooting anybody. Excellent. Then we have a agreement upon ourselves as gentlemen. You will aid me in this matter, and I will hopefully be able to rest easier at night. In the meantime, let us drink. As I'll have a few more and head back to my uh, my room, I suppose. All right, we're just gonna sit and drink. <laughs> okay, so you sit and drink, and 
enjoy yourselves when you're sitting there a voice pops into both of your heads and it says let's hope you last longer than the other one and that's where we're going to end it for tonight damn it (laughs) hello scary voice who was that (laughs) (laughs) what have you put my cognac All right, that's the end of the episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next week. Hey, everybody. This is your Mythos Master, Ariel. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave a review and share it with a friend. You can come chat with us on our Discord or check out our Twitter. Links are in the show notes below. Next episode airs next Saturday. Keep your percentiles low and your sanity high. Long gone are the days where people sing about West Virginia as almost heaven. After nuclear war and disease, it's far from heaven now. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story podcast, is a tale of survival, conflict and hope set in the Fallout 76 game world. Join our survivors on their journey to reach that almost heaven once more. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon and many other great podcasts and apps. Far From Heaven. Fallout 76 story, available now.